Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Old time religion, this is the final message in our series. Wow, what an exciting morning. Man, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that. Um, This is the final message in the series, um, Old Time Religion, and I've titled it, Say No to Pharaoh. Say No to Pharaoh. So if this is your first week with us, or it has uh, uh, been a while, and you've missed the other messages in this series, I've been presenting ideas that impacted me in the first few years of my faith as a late teenager coming to faith in Christ for real. Uh, Sayings that I heard from godly men and women, sermons that I heard preached that kind of set a fire in my heart, uh, put my feet in a direction to go after the Lord as a disciple. The things that I've talked about have been the anchors of my faith and of my life Uh, through times that I have fallen and uh, things that helped me get back on my feet. Uh, True north about the call of God on my life. Reasons for staying faithful and reasons for not quitting. All of those things kind of can be brought back to what I've been preaching about over the last few weeks. There are many times over 30 years in ministry where I've gotten lost in the wilderness and in the weeds and in the machinery of church. And these are some of the sayings and some of the things that have brought me back to first things. I heard people saying, uh, or Christine saying that, referring to my vision, and I've always wanted the vision that God had put in my heart to be your vision. Uh, How many of you know, uh, if you think you're a leader and nobody follows, you're only taking a walk? If you're the head car in the train and you think you're all geared up to go and you pull out of the station and no cars come along, you ain't leading nowhere. You ain't leading nowhere. So it's, uh, I, when I hear my vision, my vision, I think two things. I think that's cool, but the other thing I think, I don't want, it's not my vision. It's not my, as long as it's my vision, when I die, it'll be over. So what I pray is, is that the vision that God has put in my heart, you know, that wasn't for me, it's for you. Not for me, it's for you. 15 years ago, God refined and more defined the focus of ministry here from me to you, and that was, as I think Brooke said, go young. Uh, If you've been here a while and you stay here a while, uh, it would become no surprise to you that my heart is for the next generation, which is now this generation. It used to be the next generation, but that generation that I talked about is uh, the now generation right now. And um, so over the past few years with The Chosen, the show The Chosen, uh, I hope you've watched that. 
uh, and the Jesus Revolution movie, um, the Gen Z numbers that are opening up to the gospel around the country, what's taking place at Asbury in the past few months, and what's taking place on college campuses around America, along with what's happening locally right now in middle schools and high schools around the county, uh, is just an amazing thing. There are students in middle school and high school going after God in bigger numbers than have been in years past. Uh, I want to tie all that together with this final message using the story of the Exodus as a model. Just in summary, the story of the Exodus, um, if you go back 400 years before Moses to a time when God was meeting with Abraham, he told Abraham that his people would suffer under oppression for 400 years in, in Egypt. 400 years, guys. Uh, that's not 400 minutes or days or, 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 or 400 uh, weeks. That's years. If you subtract 400 years, years from right now, we're in 1623. If you subtract 400 years, estimating you're in the decade when the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock. Imagine from then till now, knowing nothing except slavery, harsh oppression in your life. We've come, we still have a long way to go in certain aspects, don't we? But we've also come a long way. Imagine being the people of God, hearing the stories about Adam, Eve, Noah, uh, Enoch, hearing the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and knowing for the last four centuries you know nothing of the sort. The Pharaoh that showed favor on Joseph is gone, and a new Pharaoh has arisen that doesn't know Joseph or the God of and could care less and has been treating this group of people for four centuries very harshly and you would be thinking nothing will ever change. We are constantly and totally defined. The glorious God days of our nation are in the past. If we can find a history book, that's all we have. God's in the past in history. But here's the real story. They didn't know that there was a baby that was born. They didn't know that God had already said 400 years before that when those 400 years were over, God's story was going to kick in again in such a way and visit a people. I believe that's important for us to remember that as well as we look at this story. God is not the I was, he is the I am. He is the I am, and he still says to you and me right here and now, there is an exodus from sin that I can take you through. There is a deliverance from Satan that this generation can experience through the gospel of my son, Jesus. And there is a restoration from captivity into great promises and glory from God awaiting a people. There is a call upon you. There is a call upon every generation, and there is a call right now upon this one to be a people of an exodus in the spirit, to be a people of new promises, to be a people who are of light and liberty, who serve a different king and a different kingdom and worship the I am and are declaring the praises of him to call others out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
I want to start by saying this, guys, follow with me. I'm going to go as fast as I can, which means as slow as a camel. But here we go. I believe there's a God visitation awaiting a new generation. I believe with all my heart there is a God visitation about to come on a new generation. Like in every generation in this one. I'm reminded of a service we had a, um, probably over a year ago now when we had a, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes Day or a, when we had students. Was that what was it? We had students from middle school, high school up on the platform and they all came around and we heard different ones sharing. I remember being moved by that, that there was a common thread that I heard through different students about compassion for people in their schools who had not come to know the Lord. And it was a compassionate uh, articulation that they shared uh, along with a conviction. It was a compassion with conviction to do things God's way, to really stand strong and bold for God, but not without compassion for people who didn't know God, what a great balance. I was thinking about that when I was putting this message together. It reminded me of Exodus chapter two when God comes down to Moses and he says, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons. I love that. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. They were not forgotten. They were not forgotten. In chapter three, he goes on to tell Moses, now behold, the cry of the sons. Think about our country. Think about our nation. God says, the cry of the sons has come to me. I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now. He's talking to Moses. Come now, and I will send you. Remember the message, who will go for us? So what got a hold of me at the beginning of my, my generation. Who will go for us? Here am I, send me. God is still asking, who will go? And he's, he's calling on people. I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So the Lord comes down, so to speak, to make himself known, I believe, in every generation. I honestly believe this, that God, in, in a sense, is coming down right now. God is coming down with great compassion. He hears the cries of the sons. He hears the cries of the daughters. And he's, he's coming down to the whole generation. But listen, he's going to put his hand on certain people. He's going to put his hand on certain people to be catalyst leaders for all the people. They had no idea long after midnight oppressive harshness that Moses was born. Moses was born. In the 30s, I believe it was the 30s or 20s, I'm not sure, when all the oppressive racial tensions continued to mount even after the Civil War. And there's a young boy named Martin who was born. There's always someone being born. 
Who said that? That's, I agree with, I agree with your yeah. I agree with that level of yeah. Some of you have been born to lead people into something great. You'll never convince me that I've been here for 30 years and there isn't a someone who's been born to lead somebody to do something great. You'll never convince me that all these kids were only destined to ride their little spider bikes around Cumberland and, and eat popsicles. I, as great as that is, because I'm one of those, but... <laughs> But I can't, you'll never convince me that he's kept me here when I could be anywhere, anywhere. Because there's somebody that's been born to lead people to something great. And to a great God. The I am who has a purpose in this generation. Let's keep going. The next generation, which is the now group I'm talking to, the next generation of leaders will be required to say no and pay the price for doing so. We talk a lot about saying yes to God, saying yes to God, but there are also things we need to say no to. The next generation leaders are, going, are being called right now. Some are eight years old, perhaps. Some are downstairs right now. When I came through, they were sitting in a, in a, in a circle, and Deb uh, McKelvey was talking to them about possibilities of when they grow up playing in the NFL. And I was walking through, and I heard her say, would you watch them, Pastor Tim? And I stopped and said, I watch all of you. I watch you all right now. I watch you all right now. You're why I'm here. There are some gen leaders being called right now. Some are in this room right now. Some are middle school. Some are high school. Some are college. And you've already been through battles. And some of the battles you're in and have been through, it's only because you're strategically born. You're strategically born. The next generation of leaders will be required to say no and pay the price for doing so. And there will be a price, but listen, let me tell you something. The reward is greater than the price. All of us have to say yes to God all over and over again. And all of us need to say no. And also saying no means to offers of compromise and offers of deals and offers under threat. The next generation of leaders will be required to say no and pay the price for doing so. You will see this over and over in the encounter between Moses and Pharaoh. It'll tell us a lot. He says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. It's what an amazing story. If you haven't read it in a while, this afternoon maybe, before the nap monster hits you, read those encounters between Pharaoh and, uh, and Moses. Here's the first no that every leader, every church that's going to make a difference now and for the next 25 years needs to say no. No to worshiping God the world's way. Number one, worshiping God the world's way, no. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God within the land. 
But Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not then stone us? Satan's tricky. It was a setup. We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands. The phrase, within the land, worship Yahweh. Be a Yahweh church with an Egyptian twist. That wasn't God's instruction. That wasn't God's instruction. The tactic of Pharaoh is understood in the context of their time. In the context of their time, his idea was, I will, I, if they worship Yahweh any way they want to, which will be contrary to the way we are, it will create an offense and possible danger for them. It would be like you going to some Middle Eastern country and going to a Muslim mosque and offering a pig on the altar. Your lifespan would reduce very quickly. Or being in India or going into a Hindu temple and offering a cow. You wouldn't come out of there alive. Pharaoh knew that. Worship your God so Egyptians can see the abomination of it in their eyes. I won't have to worry about you. In the Bible, Egypt becomes a symbol of worldliness and compromising faithfulness to God. Departing, the Egyptian idea, all the way even into the book of Revelation, it's even there. In the book of Revelation, it's a symbol of, of the people of God departing from God's word and God's ways. See, Pharaoh knew that worldliness would kill faith and faithfulness. The tactic of Pharaoh is this. Worship Yahweh, but, but in, in the, in the, where the world system, not the word, the world system will still be the dominating influence in your life. A man ain't man to me with a pirate hat on. We're going to be close, brother. We're going to get... Feel free to worship Yahweh, but let Egypt's influence define you. Well, the Bible opposite of that says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. Pharaoh would be like saying, hey, listen, build an Egyptian church right here. Here's, here, listen, you can do your Yahweh thing, but here's what we want. Egyptian marriage rights. The way we, well, what are Egyptian? Well, we don't have any. But Egyptian marriage rights in the house of God. Um, listen, killing all the firstborn males, since that's the law of the land, you keep, you keep rolling with that. If you do that, I'll relieve all the oppression. I'll even attend your services. You want prime acreage? I got you. How about a building right down by the Nile? But see, what God calls an abomination and what Egypt calls an abomination, what God calls truth, the Egyptian spirit calls hate. Let's dig in even closer. 
We need to say no to allowing Pharaoh to set our limits. Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Look, what an arrogant thought. I will let you. Hey, if you're, if you're hooked up with people that are letting you live, break it. Click. I'll let you. No. I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far. Now, we're not talking about isolating ourselves. We're not talking about separatism. We're not talking about a parochial spirit and us versus them. Satan would love nothing more than the church to be out of sight and out of mind. Jesus told us to go into all the world without the influence of the world going into all of us. We are to go into the world and testify, not so the world goes into every part of us and then we have no testimony. Love not means don't set the affections of your heart on the worldly things or love them. Love, the love of the Father and the love of the world cannot be connected. All that's in the world, the desire to gratify your sin nature, the allurement of the things the world system offers, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from God. They're of the world. Jesus prayed about the disciples' father, set them apart from the world. Now, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but set them apart in the truth. Your word is the truth. It's either the word or the world. So Pharaoh says, yeah, do your thing, but don't go too far. Don't go too far. The Bible says that in the last days there would be seducing spirits and things that are taught by demonic spirits. Like Pharaoh had his magicians who could work wonders and signs. Paul says in the last days there will be seducing spirits and things taught by demons. Some Christian leaders in our generation are making a deal with Pharaoh right now. The demon gods behind Pharaoh in Egypt still live today. They're smarter than the most brilliant church growth strategist in the USA. These demon princes are the coolest. They're even cooler than the Christian record producers in LA and Nashville. They are so slick, they can outslick the producers of the biggest Christian TV network in the world. And all of us are vulnerable. All of us are vulnerable. These demons didn't die, they visited Herod when John the Baptist was preaching. I can imagine, the Bible says that Herod loved to listen to John. But he didn't love the one part of John's preaching that told him it wasn't right for him to be sleeping with his brother's wife. So he had to put him in jail. 
And my creative license says that probably Herod went to him behind the scenes and said, John, John, baby, listen. What do you want, man? Listen, listen. I'll give you time every night for you to do a religious part of the whole kingdom thing. Just lay off Herodias. Just lay off. I don't want you here. You could do so, John, couldn't you do so much more outside of this prison cell? Just say the word. Just don't preach that word. When we make a commitment to leading a people into a promised land from God, we have to be willing to have our head served up on a plate. Nobody roots for that. Don't go very far. Moses came from a blazing bush, consuming fire moment with God. And God said, I want you to go in there, break them loose, and I'm going to take you out here. And for the next 40 years, I'm going to lead you with that pillar of fire. I want you in the tent of meeting. I want my people to see the glory of God. So when Pharaoh says, stay in Egypt, you're, talk, you're going to fellowship around demon gods. You're going to follow a man who doesn't know his right from his left. I want you to break free. I'm going to break you out of that. Not make a deal with it. The world system makes big promises, but they are not God's promised land promises. There's a big price to pay for the world's temporary pleasures. And there is a price that never stops being asked. And it compounds debt and death and deception. We are called out of that to follow a pillar of glory we are called to go deep in the word. We're called to go deep in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Deep in the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that even though in the last days there will be seducing spirits, here's the good news. God says in the last days I will be there too. I'll be on stage. I'm going to pour my spirit out on your sons and your daughters and they are going to prophesy and I'm going to grant signs and wonders above God's going to be the star in the last days. And his blessings that come add no sorrow to a person's life. His blessings that come will outlive your own life and can be passed down to three and four generations. Amen. Come on, man. Tim, you help me preach? They can give you wells without water, and God said, I'll give you wells you didn't even dig. They can offer you the world, and I'll put heaven's touch on your family. They can offer you a little bit, I'll give you the whole land, wherever the soles of your feet. It's not Pharaoh's world, it's God's world. People of the world get on and spout like they own this place. They don't own this place. There's people on TV making big mockery statements. Listen, you're really tough before the sky splits in two. You, you know what? You can hold your microphone and you can chirp and you can say what you are and what God isn't. And we're all going to do that until the door shuts on the ark. And then the whole game changes. And then you'll see big boys turn into little boys and crybaby boys, and running and asking for mama, 
because God's going to be the star of the show and he's coming into every generation and he's going to do a work and nobody's going to get in his way. Here's another no that we have to make. We will leave no generation behind. See, this isn't my vision. This is the spirit of God's vision. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh and said to them, he, Pharaoh says, go serve the Lord your God. Um, who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, I love this. This one gets me rocking and rolling. Don't you love what Moses says here? We shall go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and our daughters. We will go with our flocks and our herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. There isn't anybody we're leaving behind. We're not leaving the young behind. We're not leaving the elders behind. Hey, don't leave the elders behind. You'll turn into one faster than you ever dreamed. <laughs> it's amazing how pictures of your grandparents, they seem as ancient as George Washington until you reach a certain age in your life and you look and you go, holy smokes. At least that's what they tell me. I guess I'll find that out later. <laughs> I still think I'm able to play in the major leagues. Uh, now I'm too old to even be a manager. Oh, God help us, Jesus. We will go with our young, we'll go with our elders our sons and our daughters. So the young represents the whole mass community of the young. Elders, the whole mass. And then he breaks it down. Our sons and daughters, meaning my house, my house, my kids. My kids too, my kids. And then the flocks and herds. In other words, that was their financial work. That was how they, off that was their offering to God in worship. Leave the flocks and herds behind. They had nothing to give. They had nothing to worship him with. So in our generation, you know what that means? That means the wallet comes to the worship service as well as the words. Amen. Flocks and herds. Flocks and herds. Flocks and herds. We're not going to shake America with a tip jar in the church. Yeah. Come back next week. <laughs> You're in Pittsburgh? We'll just put you on live. <laughs> so the fear tactic, the, the fear tactic is the next, the next plan. So Pharaoh says in the 10th chapter, he says, thus may the Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go, take heed, for evil is in your mind. Not so. In other words, oh, if you make a statement like that, you get your kids out from under our protection. You get your kid out there going after God, after this invisible thing that Moses said is gonna, and you're gonna let your kids go off into that. There's nowhere to fall back. There's, how do you know, what are you gonna, how do you? Just the men go. Just the men. Just let the men go. Because see, once again, Pharaoh knows, I'll let them do whatever they want. I'll let them go nuts. I'll let the men have the Holy Ghost fire meeting every week, and in one generation, it'll all be over. 
One generation. I'll, I'll, roll, I'll, I'll lay aside a generation. I'll give that one, but I'll get the next one. And that, there'll be no kids. There'll be no wives. There'll be no... See, he plays the long game. What if God is choosing us as a church? LOA, LOA, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about us. Someone asked me this this morning, and I explained up in the sound booth what I meant. What if God is choosing us to lead a new generation of lambs into something great? What if God is choosing some lambs to become great leaders in our church? Anybody feeling that? Here's a question to everybody here that's 40 and under. Will the next 25 years be greater than the last 25 years? How can you know? How can you know? I remember Kenny McDowell and I and some other leaders of uh, a previous step of faith stepping out across the rivers, Tim and Tracy and some others who've gone on to the Lord's, uh, now to be with the Lord, different people. We didn't know. We didn't have answers. One of the hardest things to do as a leader is to resist answering questions out of a peer pressure to feel you have to have a response when you know you don't have one. Amen. You know what the right response is? We're just going to follow God. Where's he going? I don't know. But we're going to follow him. Rarely has God given me the answers I wanted at the time I've wanted them. But he's always given me himself. And I'd rather be clueless in the presence of God to have all the answers in the presence of men. God says, I will be with you, Moses. I will be with you. Here's another statement we must make. No one and nothing but the gospel of God will be the center of our community. That's why I like to stand to the side, to do what God wants me to do, but it's not mine. This isn't my church. It's not my ministry. I don't have a ministry. I want to minister to the Lord the gifts that he's put in my life and I want to follow his ministry. Amen. Speak to the congregation of Israel. Say, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. We're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about Jesus in every heart, Jesus in every house. We're talking about when the house of God comes together. There are households like we saw on this platform, a lamb for every house represented on this stage, a lamb for every house, a lamb in the center of the house. 
The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ will always be at the center of this community of faith. Not a side message with all kinds of relevant things to reach a world that isn't interested in the gospel. So, I'm going to sum it up. It's time for some of us to come to terms with questions we continue to wrap around in our mind about how far we're going to go in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the fire, the sacred fire of God is, is, is the only protective preventive against the schemes of the, of, of the Egyptian spirits of the age. There has to be holy fire in the house of the Lord. There must be. And that means a full-hearted welcome to the ministry of the Spirit of God. If you, people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus made it clear, if you ask him for fish, he will not give you a serpent. It is, impossible for you, it is impossible for you or me to say, God, I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the devil goes, great, I'm going to jump in there. He doesn't have that kind of power. He doesn't have that kind of liberty. He doesn't have that kind of freedom to interrupt. When you open, there, I know people that are afraid to, to pray out loud because the devil might, the devil isn't God. He's a narcissist. He's a freak. He's a narcissist who thinks he's more than he is. He has no power over Christ or those who seek Christ. None. So, The shepherd and overseer of your soul, when you go hard, when you go hard after the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, every cherubim, every seraphim, every angelic warrior will stand guard over you. You need never worry for strange fire when you're seeking him. But we must, friend, I'm telling you, this generation is too anemic in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are too anemic in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We'll put him in the back room and pray to God that nothing weird happens when people are demonized. Boys don't know if they're boys. Girls don't know. There's a seductive spirit in the age, and we need a fire to fill the house of God. Come on, somebody. There's no hope without the Holy Spirit in the church. There is no such thing as a ministry that isn't birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing. 
What if they don't believe me? I'm a man of, I can't even speak, Lord. I will be with you. For others, it's time to be a part of an encouraging community that stewards with your financial treasures and equipping for a young group of people to take their journey after God. It's time to get real clear. Listen, I want everybody to stand. I want to talk directly to you. Hey, I've only gone 39 minutes. That's a Guinness Book of World Records for, listen, I'm almost finished. But this is so important. Listen, I, I want to talk. This is, to, this is, listen, you know, listen, please. When Moses, when Moses, when Moses was finally, are you watching me or them? I'm watching them. What are you guys doing? Uh, when Moses, when it was time for Moses to lead, he was so beaten down by life that he had given up on any possibility that he was, not only that it was time, but he knew, for, he knew for sure he wasn't the one. God, me? Now at age 40, he was rip-roaring and ready to go. He'd kill any Egyptian in his way. He reasoned, he looked this way and that way, never looked that way, this way and that way. And then it didn't work. Didn't work. 40 years later, he's like, I can't even give a speech. God, please send somebody else. Listen, some of you, you think it's over. It's just getting ready to start. You've had to, this is not everybody, but who am I talking to? You've had to survive assassination plots from hell in your life. You've had to survive spiritual assault from so-called godly people. You've had to come to terms with all kinds of self-doubt that's come because of the circumstances that did not turn out when you reasoned that God had called you to do it. When you knew God had his hand on your life. Now you think you're in the middle of nowhere. And you've missed your opportunity. You've missed your time. And I was sent here today to say that it is perfectly timed for you to know that God says, I have come down. So you rise up. I'm sending you. Turn off the questions and quiet your mind. Stop talking for one minute and listen to the still, small voice. Forget the past. Forget the former things. God is calling you by name. And he's probably not going to answer your questions and your concerns but he's going to straighten out your tongue and he's going to straighten out your identity and he's going to confirm your calling again because you were born after midnight and born for such a time as this. God is getting ready to lead you to lead people to great things. 
The story of God that you've read about is now coming up close and personal to you. The hall of faith that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 that ends because the book was finished In God's counsel, the hall of faith is still being recorded. Generations have come since the scriptures have been written. And men and women of all nations have been recorded in heaven's hall of faith. And now God has a pen in his hand. And he's wanting to write your name on that wall. He's wanting to write your name on that wall. Who am I I talking to in this place. He's coming down to free a generation, but he needs people to get freed up over their issues with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's coming down to free a generation. He wants to use you, but you have to get over yourself. You have to get over your weaknesses. You have to pick the the desert sand out of your teeth and look into the bush that's not being consumed and look about who is in the bush, not who you are. Look at who he is. He is called I am that I am. I am is here. New leaders, new shifts to a new land of promise, a new identity, a new witness. There will be battles, but God is guiding and God will lead and God will protect. And he's calling men and women up right now. Moses could not deliver God's people from a palace. He had to get in place. He had to go to the pack, get in the pack, and God was going to lead him. Some of us have to get real serious about looking in the devil's face and saying to him, what part of no do you not understand? What part of no do you not understand? Who will go for us? Who will walk the altars? Kneel at the foot of the old rugged cross and receive a brand new visitation for a new generation. Who will rise up and lead? Who will lay aside the excuses? Who will make first things first things for real? Who will say, Lord, here I am, send me. Heavenly Father, we pray that this old time religion would be fresh in our time. We pray for a mighty visitation of the Holy Spirit And as many wise people have said in the past, when you ask God for revival, draw a circle around yourself and say, start with me. Lord, may we all do something similar. May this not just be a dramatic moment. May this be a moment of destiny for people, young and old, because we leave no one behind. Lord, we give this time to you now and pray that you would minister, that you would consume us, Lord, with holy fire. And Lord, you would put liberation anointing in our souls. Lord, we know that the Spirit of God and the Word of God, there is no demon, there's no power, there's no magician, there's no witch. There's nothing that this world can combat and counter when you come down. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this place today. And do a good work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. 
If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.